Hey folks, this is Ian Foster, and this is If and When, a podcast where I talk to other creators about how and why they do their thing. To start, I'm talking to colleagues, friends, and veterans of the arts community at home here in Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada. These are not so much traditional interviews as they're a chat over coffee or something a little stronger. So come sit in and have a listen. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in again to part two of my conversation with Kelly Russell. If you missed part one, jump back in your podcast app and you'll immediately hear that episode. And then we pick up right where we left off for part two. So we're in the middle of our Christmas tour as of right now. Thanks to those who've come out so far. I mean, again, this is being recorded in the past because I can't do this part on the road. So I'm presuming that someone has come out to the show so far. This is, you know, fiction that I'm saying right now. Maybe no one did. Maybe it was literally zero people, in which case I'll say thanks to the packed houses that have come out because who will prove me wrong? There were no witnesses. This is the way neurotic brains work, people. Anyway, I hope that you have been enjoying... (laughs) These episodes so far, it's worth noting that the podcast is coming to a season finale break for much of the winter as we collect some new episodes and do some new partnerships. I've already recorded a few episodes for season two, so there will be a season two coming uh, as a on like an undetermined date at the moment. But I'm going to guess probably around the same time we launched uh, this podcast, which was, I think, the, the late winter, early spring of 2019. So that same time in 2020, you'll see if and when season two. Uh, but not before you get to hear the two-part season finale with the wonderful Mary Walsh that we recorded live at the Rooms uh, Theater in St. John's. So please tune in for that. That'll be the next two weeks after this week. But first, continuing with part two of my conversation with Kelly Russell. Here we go. It's such a struggle, isn't it? I mean, you know, if you do the diversifying thing, I mean, I can tell you from personal experience, of course you're going to think, oh, God, master of none. That's going to happen because there's only so many hours in the day. You know the 10,000-hour theory for anything. Anything new you start, even to me, like people go, oh, guitar, you know, 10,000 hours, you've mastered it. No, 10,000 hours, you've mastered whatever it was you were doing on the guitar. And if that was blues music, maybe yeah. you're now a master of blues. But if yeah. you go to jazz, you're starting at hour one again, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah. So true. You know? So, like, even within one instrument, there's that thing. And there's only so many 10,000-hour periods yeah. one can spend. Yeah. You know? So I feel like diversification is important, but that's the trouble. And then if you don't diversify, it speaks to, like, yeah. concerns you've yeah. had. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of like a choose-your-own yes, choose your absolutely. own misadventure. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. You know, and I guess it's comparable to, you know, okay, so you're going to be a doctor. Well... You know, are you going to be a GP or are you going to specialize in one specific uh, mm-hmm. specific thing? And, you know, I, I think the, the specialists, you know, are, are really super good at what they do. Right. Uh, so that, you know, so we were surgeons. So, you know, like, wow, <laughs> we got to have surgeons. I know. I know. <laughs> well, it's like that old joke about the, like, what's your what's your PhD on? Like the life of a fruit, fl- fruit fly or whatever, right? Like that's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. It's such yeah. a, like, really specific, yeah. specialized thing um another thing i guess this is sort of an aspect of what we're talking about but um um success you know because for me it's been um it's been name recognition uh, and and to the point where people will say i've heard so many people say i i don't agree with them but oh kelly russell's the best fiddler in newfoundland Mm. well 
maybe he is for that specific thing that he does, you know, right, but, right. but, uh, but he can't, he can't play the kind of stuff Maria Cherwick can play. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so with, with that comes, a, a, an attitude by, by people and I, I've struggled with this, um, Oh, you, you know, you must be making a pile of money. Right. Or you must charge a lot because oh, because your name yeah, is yeah. out there so much. Yeah. Like I've had people tell me, well, we were, th- we were thinking about giving you a call, but we figured we couldn't afford you. Yeah. And in the meantime, I'm there like, Jesus, how am I paying the light bill this month? Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I'm blown away by that, right? Right. Uh, uh, to, to the point where it's, you know, sometimes I feel like I resent uh, the fame because it's gotten in the way of the fortune somehow. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you know, totally. Um, be- because because the fame came, but the fortune never did. Yeah. Um, and and, and I, I wonder if the fame was in any way to blame for the lack of the fortune. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And you know, it th- th- that's interesting. It starts truly from the ground up because my earliest anecdote of this was working at chapters and being a finalist for the international songwriting competition. And I remember this was like me being like year one of going to be a musician gigging downtown. Yeah. And I remember like a neighbor on the street who'd watched little Ian Foster grow up, you know, it was like, oh, he's, you know, he's going to be a musician now. And I also had long hair at the time, down to the yeah. shoulders, you know. Yeah. And I was like the, you know, I'm working at chapters for minimum wage. And I remember that I'd had one conversation the week before with that person who was like, oh, yeah, you're doing some shows now. <laughs> you know, almost like a... That's what your your little hobby now. Yeah, yeah. And then the next week, there was an article in like the Telegram that was about this finalist thing. And then they came in and they saw me at Chapters, which all just added to the irony, right? This is why I stuck <laughs> in my head that I'm yeah. like in my uniform working a minimum wage job. Yeah. And the same person a week later saw me and they were like, saw that article about you in the paper. And I could actually see in their eyes like a change in respect. Yeah. And of course, it's hilarious because I mean... What is an article on the Telegram? It change, I mean, like, it's important for a musician to have press so people know about things. Yeah. But it's not like that affected literally anything in terms of either my fortune or yeah. my fame. Yeah. But to that person. Yes. That one. Th- and this was like the first thing that had ever happened to me on that scale, too, right? Yeah. So I was like, even that first thing, you could see a small shift. Yeah. So I would imagine like a lifetime of that. Yeah. Would you, it just it just gets more and more exaggerated where people are like, well, Kelly Russell, he's famous. Yeah. How could we ever hire you can't, him? You, can't, for you can't afford him, right? Right. It's <laughs> or, wild. Or he's not going to be available. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's amazing that that's how people yeah. think about it because yeah. it couldn't be further from the truth. That's exactly right. Yeah. 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 So I mean, where are we now when it comes to uh, that side of Newfoundland music? Because Way back at the beginning of this, you were talking about how in the '70s it was like that was the 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 old person's music, and and it, and rock and roll was the new thing. And now it seems like we're in like a resurgence of interest in, uh, you know, I think about bands like the Dards, the Dardanelles, yeah. or like Rum Ragged, or these yeah. bands that are doing like it's like a young person's game again. It seems. Yeah. Do you think that when it comes I, I, to I do, yeah. And the Dardanelles is a, is a great example of it. Uh, you know that they were able to. Um, uh, capture the attention that they did uh, doing instrumental music, right? Largely, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, you know the the, the songs, by, but you, uh, either one of the Dardanelles CDs is is they're instrumental heavy of seventy five percent yes tunes and twenty five percent songs, yeah. Uh, and and that they were able to uh, uh, be as popular and 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 you know. Uh, uh, gain as much attention as 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 they did 
with that formula, mm-hmm. I, I think speaks, uh, you know, a lot to the, uh, you know, to that point. Um, the uh, what was the other band you mentioned? Oh yes, Rum Rag. Rum Rag. You know, yeah. yeah th- these, uh, it's easy, much easier now for uh, for bands playing traditional type music to mm. uh, to get an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, Why is that? It, because the music is more accepted now. Mm. Uh, you look at all the young people that are playing fiddles. I mean, there's hundreds of fiddle players mm-hmm. in St. John's now. Mm-hmm. Young people. Mm-hmm. Well, when I started, I was the only one. <laughs> right, right. You know, so it's, I think Great Big Seed uh, did a lot to um, to uh, turn people's, to change people's minds about, uh, the you know, whether it was old people's music or not. Right. Yeah, I I, I because the, the huge success of Great Big Sea just made it made folk based kind of music just more household. More, yeah. yeah, this is regular stuff now. The cycles are hilarious to me because when I started playing in the early two thousands, uh, and I started touring, there was in those earliest tours, and I was just playing, you know, a bar in some town in Nova Scotia or whatever that genuine concern that had to be constantly clarified that I'm from Newfoundland, but I'm not a traditional band. Yeah, yeah. More for my safety than <laughs> yeah. anybody else's. Because yeah, yeah. if I ended up with a room full of anyone from from here all yeah. the way across the country expecting that was expecting hear, Great yeah. Big C, yeah. and I'm doing yeah. what I'm doing, yeah. it's going to be bad. Yeah. And so there was almost like this sort of... The, uh, the tag of being a Newfoundland musician is not necessarily uh, right. a, a good one and. and in many instances, yeah. Right. And yeah. I mean, I love the music, but I found myself growing resentful yeah. of being like, well, fuck, I'm trying to like, you know, I'm trying to do this uphill battle to, yeah. and, and it's not even about being better or worse or different. You're just like, I just want people to actually hear it. Yeah. Because all they're going to hear is disappointment that it's not something yeah. else mm-hmm. instead of actually hearing the yeah. songs. Yeah. And then it's amazing that like, I was sort of sitting there going like, oh God, I'm battling the history of Newfoundland music. Meanwhile, you're <laughs> someone like you was like, wow, it's interesting. This is finally coming back around from it being guitars and rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that crazy? Yeah. yeah. You know, but it, you know, part of the, part of the problem there, of course, is uh, our, our, our tendency as humans to uh, to pigeonhole things yes. and to want to categorize everything. Yes. And put it, you know, okay, that's that. And we're going to put that in the jar and we're going to put that over there. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, in, in music, you know, like it's like so many of these borders that, you know, are crossing each other and, you know. Uh, and that's the best stuff. I mean, that goes back to you saying, you know, hearing folk music with drums and guitars was what made you interested yes. in instead of turning you off it. Yes, yeah. I mean, the fiddle itself, uh, uh, I, I can remember, and just going back now to, to my mother, but uh, uh, mom used to love to watch Don Messer's Jubilee on TV. Don Messer had a show on. And, uh, you know, as, as a boy of 13 or 14, uh, I hated it. <laughs> It's like, oh my God, I had to get out of the house when she had it on, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, then a couple of years later, I'm like, oh, you know, what are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm learning to play the fiddle. <laughs> but it wasn't from any influence of Don Messer. Right. You know, it was because I'd heard it in this rock format, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh, you yeah. can do that. Yeah. Right? You had to find it on your own. <laughs> yeah. 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 Had to find your own way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk to me about Tales from Pigeon Inlet and how oh. that all developed. There's a number of aspects of my involvement regarding my dad's stories, and I, you know, I guess the first is is 
I wasn't really aware of them growing up. I mean, he wrote them and told them on the radio back in the 50s and into the early 60s. Well, I was just very small then, so I have no recollection of that. Right. And uh, then throughout the 60s and early 70s, you know, the material was, you know, basically cast aside. It wasn't until 1975 that Breakwater Books, Clyde Rose of Breakwater, approached my dad and said, we'd like to publish some of your your stories in a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was around about the time, I mean, I identify 1975 as a pivotal year. Mm. Um, it was the beginning of the Newfoundland Renaissance, mm. you know, uh, when when all things Newfoundland became cool rather than something to be rejected. Right. And that's when you saw the emergence of, uh, of theater groups like Codco, mm-hmm. visual artists like Jerry Squires, Mm-hmm. Uh, writers like Ray Guy mm-hmm. and and others, um, you know, and bands like Figgy Duff, and celebra- uh, folk festivals starting up and bringing in the Rufus Ginchards and the John Joe Englishes from the outports to perform on the stage in St. John's. That's around when all that started, mm. and uh, you know that that whole, as I call it, the the the, the Renaissance. Well. My my father's stories were were proud of that, mm-hmm. uh, even though he'd written them, you know, f- uh, twenty years before. Um, so they're publishing books. So uh, one thing I did, uh, I started in nineteen seventy nine was a was a record label. I started a record label and I called it Pigeon Inlet Productions. Mm. And the first production was an LP of my dad's stories. Mm. Um, and then from then I just you know. Um, I'd, I'd forged a uh, friendship uh, and a mentor, mentorship. He was my mentor with uh, Emil Benoit and then, uh, uh, and also with Rufus Ginchard. And I realized, you know, these these musicians are never going to cut a record. Hmm. You know, Columbia Records is not coming or RCA. They're not coming to Newfoundland wanting to record these guys. But these guys should be recorded. Mm-hmm. They're they're top notch musicians. Mm-hmm. The music they play is important. So so I started applying for little grants here and there and Canada Council and whatever. And started recording these musicians. Mm. Um, How did that go? I remember talking to Pamela about some of her field work she was trying to do. And I think she struggled a little with the fact that these were musicians with no context for recording and never believed they'd be recorded. So there was a certain degree of, I guess, just stage fright or microphone fright in this case. And to actually try to capture the X factor that made them so good when you yeah. just heard them live. Yeah. Was that a challenge? Um, for sure. Yeah. For sure, definitely, because, uh, you know, uh, these musicians were were not, uh, you know, I mean, I was used to a microphone and a, and a recording studio. Yeah. It had, had been an early part of, of my experience as a, as a beginning professional musician, but not 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 for these musicians, no, because mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they, they played in kitchens and, mm-hmm. you know, halls, small halls and, Eventually, the folk festival stages, but uh, right. yeah, get, get, getting trying to capture that essence uh, of of what they do, what makes it so wonderful in a studio situation with no audience, you know. Yeah, I mean, Emil Benoit thrived on an audience. It was what uh, you know, it was what plugged him in and got him going. Totally, uh, you know, totally. Bunch of people to perform for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the stu- you don't have that in the studio. Right? That's right. That's right. I mean, that's a that's still a struggle now, and I feel like uh, we're in an age where like people are more used to recording than ever. I yeah. mean, even the average person like yeah. does voice memos and takes pictures of themselves and records yes. videos. Yes. I mean, there is a certain just comfort with 
that. Yes. And yeah. it's still a struggle to capture that energy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, to get back to my dad's stories. So uh, in the 1980s, CBC decided to, uh, Tom Cowell was a producer in CBC, and they decided to uh, make TV shows based on my dad's stories. So a, a very popular TV show emerged in the 1980s called Yarns from Pigeon Inlet. Mm. And uh, Mac Barfoot, Kevin Noble, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, Donna Butt, a lot of people who we regard as uh, as uh, as the the big names in, in acting. Uh, Boyd Norman, oh goodness, the list goes on, uh, were, uh, were featured in these uh, in these TV productions. Uh, I did the music for them. Mm. So the, the theme music was, uh, was me and the incidental music uh, throughout the shows was also me. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of another pigeon inlet um, connection that I had. It was it gave me a great sense of pride to be able to contribute music to yeah. shows that were based on my dad's stories. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And this was after he had passed on. So he, you know, dad died in '77. So he never saw any of this. Mm. Um, he did hear me recite his famous "The Smoke Room on the Kyle." Mm. Smoke Room on the Kyle and. Uh, uh, so I think he saw, you know, that I was the direction I was going in even early on. Right. Uh, so, so I have, um, if as a solo performer, I, I, I do a solo show every summer at the Crow's Nest, uh, which is called Tunes and Tales. Right. Sometimes Tunes and Tales of Pigeon Inlet, and I incorporate uh, my dad's stories as part of that, mm-hmm. and I play tunes from. Rufus in a mill, and I talk about them and funny little anecdotes and things about how they came to compose certain tunes or whatever. Right. Um, but my dad's pigeon inlet stories have always have been a part of my life and a part of my uh, performance off and on for uh, for most of my career. Right. Um, not not being a great singer, I wish I had pursued singing. I probably would have ended up being a half decent singer, but I, I I took a back seat when I when I joined Figgy Duff. Well, Figgy Duff had a singer. Right. And it wasn't me. So uh, <laughs> along with putting down the guitar, I I, I, I ceased to uh, try to be a singer right. very early on and uh, became satisfied with being the, the instrumentalist. Right. Um, so then later when you, 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 there's not many gigs for a solo fiddle player. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always needed to be part of a group or part of, you know, a, a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I, I eventually uh, found a niche for myself as a solo performer because it's nice to be able to do solo stuff where you're not depending on other people to be available. And, totally. You know, uh, and you can basically do what you want to do, what you feel is your statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, 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 I kind of, uh, not being a singer, I, I started doing the storyteller-fiddler combo thing, and that's... That's 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 my solo act. Right. Yeah. It's the cool. stories combined with the with the fiddle music. Right. Yeah. When when Fergus was here, we were talking about keeping things fresh and sort of the insights you get when you say cover songs. And we were even talking about Dirty Old Town. Obviously, uh, such a covered song to the point of you know it's it's dreaded by some, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And Fergus is like, you know, I don't do it all the time, but when I do do it now. You know, I often slow it right down and I, I think about, you know, there's a real poetry to that song that can often yeah. get lost just yeah. to the, the, the repetition, the endless repetition to almost the cliche point. Yeah. But you can still find something new yeah. even in something like that. 
Yeah. And I'm curious uh, yep. for for your dad's stories, uh, not that they're repeated like Dirty Old Town in that way, but I just mean like this is something you've lived with your whole life. You still perform elements of yes, like that. Well, I, I have recited the smoke room on the Kyle uh, probably a thousand or more times right. o- over the years. So is there still an insight you're getting into your father from yes. his work? Yes, yeah. and, and, and I... I firmly believe that you always have to it's the only thing it's the only way you can survive doing the same thing over and over and over and over is to search for something else in it that you've not discovered before right uh, and in that search you keep yourself engaged and you keep yourself as you said you're talking about Fergus there you keep it fresh mm-hmm. uh, tremendously important to mm-hmm. uh, yeah the, the the moment you get bored with what you're doing Oh man, I know you've, you've you've lost the whole point of it. Yeah, right? it's it's funny. It's, it's when when Fergus talked about that, it was one of those times where everyone talks about music as a religious experience again, like sort of a cliche. But I mean, how similar is that to the idea that people go to to a stone building every week and they recite the same series of like whatever the creed or the whatever? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's the same concept. Is yeah. that you're you're sort of there's a ritualistic element to yeah. certain classic pieces of music that you're just like it's just a part of our society but you're still looking for something in it yeah you know yeah comparison to be drawn there i suppose yeah uh, that that's interesting the, the, the comparison with the with the church and the ritual yeah uh, i don't know if i want to go there yeah <laughs> uh, now what, i definitely what, want to go there now that you said that what, what else were we talking about <laughs> <laughs> well we haven't even done religion and politics yet let's do it <laughs> No, for sure, for sure. So I'm curious, um, what do you think is, what's the state of Newfoundland music? I'll ask you, there's a softball question, mm. uh, not at all. Uh, it's a giant question. Where are we right now? Man, oh man. Yeah. Um, I know with, with, with I, I, I can speak, I will speak more specifically to traditional style music because it's uh, what I've been involved in. Uh, uh, although, to, to also acknowledge that uh, I think we've come a long way in, uh, in developing and presenting other styles of music here in Newfoundland that aren't quote-unquote Newfoundland music, mm. that aren't the traditional um, stylings. Um, uh, the, 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 the singer-songwriters that have come out of Newfoundland, and the, you know, it's, it's, it's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I... I I, I want to tip my hat to that, mm-hmm. uh, and and particularly given the difficulty, as you alluded to uh, earlier, of uh, of being tagged with, you know, hey, you know, this guy, this guy's a Newfoundland musician, mm-hmm. so the expectation is then that you're going to be, you know, totally playing traditional type Newfoundland music, which yeah. you're not. And I'll uh, jump in there quickly to say that, you know, because I was talking about cycles in that case, and I've felt at least that now that we're in 2019, that I see less of that, which is, is, is I think, uh, going along with what you're saying, as in I feel like there was a cycle where that was happening, probably as a result of like that sort of white hot heat of Great Big C yeah. legacy at yeah. that time, because yeah. that would have been the late 90s, early 2000s when that band was at their apex. Yeah. And now we've actually... Uh, come out of that in yeah. a, what I think to be a positive way because there's been so much music that have, that has come out of here of different genres yeah. that now, say, 15 years later, 
people are like, okay, well now my definition of Newfoundland music is it's just music from Newfoundland. Yes. It's not. Yeah. Uh, see, I I firmly believe that. Um, use that word believe, but uh, I, I, I think, I predict <laughs> that um, Newfoundland has yet to come into its uh, into its own. Mm. I, I, I think our time has yet to come. Okay. Uh, in, in a lot of different ways, not just artistically. Uh, I, I think uh, financially even, you know, like, like, like right now we're on a, we're on a fiscal, uh, cliff, you know, mm-hmm. about to topple over here in Newfoundland. Like it's really yeah, extremely scary. bad, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I think our, I think our turn is coming. Mm-hmm. I really do, and and I think it's going to be driven a lot by our artists. Mm. It already has been mm-hmm. um, that we're getting recognition uh, for the quality of uh, of what we have to offer, mm-hmm. uh, and and that we've gotten. Thankfully, be beyond that whole newfie, you know, uh, thing, uh, and we won't go there either. <laughs> you know, I I, 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 admire so much uh, uh, of what of what's been done here artistically uh, out of Newfoundland. Yeah, and uh, you know, a lot of people forging the way and just broadening the whole artistic and musical base into different genres and the creativity and it's not just leaning back on our on our folk music you know it's exploring and creating and and uh, it's fantastic I, I i think the state of newfoundland music is uh, is wonderful in that regard um i don't think people make a decent enough living doing it right uh, i think the contribution is extremely valuable uh but no, no one is is uh, is getting compensation for 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 that value, mm-hmm. you know, financially. That's for sure. How do we change that? I have no idea. Um, I, I really don't know. That, that that is the big question, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does one do it? I mean, we talked about from an artistic side, like from the artist perspective, diversification is a big part of that. Like personally, from person to person, but. At the same time, you know, why are we diversifying? Well, it's because, you know, yeah. if you can only earn 100 bucks at a gig, I mean, and, you and have to do you know, other things. It, but the thing is that that's a, that's a worldwide problem. I mean, that's not it just uh, something yeah. that we're stuck with here in Newfoundland. That's right. You know, um, the, the, the artist, no matter where they live and whatever their inspiration, whatever they're doing, you know, it's precarious, precarious life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no guarantees that, you know, they, I mean, look at all Ron Hines contributed. I know. You know? I think about to, it all the to, time. To Newfoundland and Newfoundland music. Yeah. I mean, the man should have been a millionaire. Well, I think about something <laughs> that happened, because um, I played that piece I wrote about Ron at his last show at the ship, that, that show that he had booked with Colleen yeah. that turned into like a night of Ron tunes. Yes. And I, I remember... The, the song about the lights. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you left a song, yeah. And, and so... Um, I remember walking down to the ship and seeing that surreal, like people lined up down the stairs, you know, and it was like a half an hour to, 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 to doors and yeah. it was already, and of course it was sold out the whole night, you know, and all that stuff. And it went for like six hours cause it was just artist after artist. It was a beautiful night. Right. Yeah. And I remember one of Ron's family members coming up to me and talking to me about that song after I played it. And then she was like, I was at like Ron's the last time he played the ship, whenever that was a few months prior. And she was like, there was like 25 people there. Yeah, yeah. And it was just such a, like a stark anecdote mm-hmm. for me of just being like, yep, 
Yeah. That's about it. So, you know, when you ask, well, you know, how do we change that? Well, you know, I mean, that's that's the kinds of things that that we're up against. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, popularity is such a fickle thing, you know? Yeah. And 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 if if success depends on popularity, well, you know, then yeah. Su- success, you know, is is can be difficult to attain. Yeah. No, I think about that too. Like, I mean, you know, St. John's Waltz became the official anthem of St. John's and all this yeah, stuff. But, yeah. but all these changes were made after he died, right? It's that classic, like, you, you know, it's like, well, that's not helping him no. at that point. No. And it's, you know, every artist's, you know, that kind of validation, not that anyone can live on validation, but validation is like a psychological cornerstone of like surviving as an artist. Yeah. Like certainly if you found that out, wouldn't those anecdotes are always the kind that an artist turns to, to go like, I yeah. guess someone cared. I guess yeah. someone listened. I guess something mattered, yeah. but it seems like a lot of those come like Ron's story just feels to me like, like it, it, it just contains a bunch of those yeah. cautionary tales. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. You know? And, and, and the, the difficult thing about it is that, you know, like, it's a commitment. I mean, doing this sort of thing is a huge commitment. It's an investment. You know, the ten thousand hours yeah. that you that you spoke of a little while ago. You know, to to attain, to achieve. You know, a, a certain mastery and uh, and a certain level yeah. with, with with your instrument. Um, that kind of commitment. I mean, it's it's like somebody said to me the other day, "Oh, hi, are you still playing the fiddle, are you?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Holy God, bye." What else am I going to do at this point in time? You know, like, yeah. like yeah. going to retraining for, you know, yeah. like. Yeah. And I know I've been at this a lot less time than you, but I've definitely still gotten the like, so you're still at the music yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're still yeah. at the music thing. I was talking about, to Sean Penny about the same thing. Like, yeah. And he just, he, he dies whenever anyone says that, you know. So, yeah. so you're still at it, are you? Yeah. Yes, but still <laughs> right. And you know, sort of have to wonder, like, what's the best approach? Like Agnes Walsh addressed this, and Agnes, I loved, I loved Agnes's response because Agnes is like, I love telling people that I'm a poet for a living yeah. because it makes them so incredulous, and I find it entertaining. And I'm like, that's right, turn it on something for yeah. you because, yeah. of course, you could. It's so easy to take offense to it. And Agnes is just like, I just love staring them in the eye and saying I'm a poet because yeah. people can't even fathom. How yeah. you could be a poet yeah. for a living, you yeah. know, yeah. even though she's and 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 again, the, the examples are always the same, from you to Sean to Agnes, all these accolades, all these this history of doing it, and you still fucking get someone going, so you still at so that, you still at that, yeah. and you're like, yeah. do you feel like carrying around yeah. your resume with you and yeah. just be like, I'm I'm been busy, like yeah. I've been doing stuff, <laughs> yeah. like how do you, you yeah. know, yeah. yeah, so you know, yeah, that's the kinds of stuff that you're up against, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about um, no change in the weather, because that's that's oh, yeah. the most recent thing, I guess, yes. that you've been doing. Like you literally just came back from that. Man, tour. I experienced uh, on that tour uh, what it must be like in the big leagues, mm. uh, because there was money behind that. That 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 show was uh, is the brainchild of uh, of uh, Walter Schroeder, mm-hmm. uh, who has a message. It's a political message. Uh, to get out, yeah, 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 and and Churchill Falls and the the whole uh, Churchill Falls contract that uh, you know Newfoundland was uh, severely stiffed by, um, and has been attempting to renegotiate ever since uh, with no success. Anyway, he's he's got a whole mess. So he he is a he is a, a man with a lot of money, and this is a project that he wanted to do. So, so all that to say that uh, the, the tour 
Um, everything was run like clockwork. Right. Uh, the accommodations were top notch. You know, I mean, back in the Figgy Duff days, we were sleeping on gym mats in school gymnasiums. You yeah. know, and I mean, totally. this, this, you know, I. I've been on tours where we've stayed in some nice hotels and that, but you're always uh, doubled up with someone else. Exactly. You know, me and Boomer shared a room all the time with the Irish descendants. And, you know, uh, we all had our own individual rooms. In some cases, we had uh, uh, an apartment. Right. Like I had a one-bedroom apartment to right. myself. Right. Yeah. I uh, feel like there's a sketch comedy. Uh, there about was a right, like you were told when the when the when the when the van would be there to pick you up, uh, to go to sound check, and like every single thing right. was looked after. We were given per diems. Right. Like I couldn't believe it. Right. It's like wow. Right. You mean all I have to do is play the fiddle? <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. all you have to. But see, I feel like there's a <laughs> sketch. <laughs> I have never experienced that. There's a sketch comedy about this because every musician I know. Uh, relates how good the tour is to their sleeping accommodations. Yeah. And it's so legit. Like if yeah. someone's like, how what was the tour? You're like, man, we stayed in hotels every night. You're like, oh man, that must've oh, been that good. Been awesome. As, yeah, as like, if like that's, me? and that's, bef <laughs> they say that before they talk about the shows, yeah. right? Before yeah. they're like, yeah. oh, we sold out a couple yeah. or whatever. They're yeah. like, man, we, you yeah. would never believe the places we slept. Yeah. No, like, life on the road is, uh, you know, <laughs> people have no idea unless you actually do it. You know, you have yeah. no idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so so no change in the weather was, uh, you know, every everything done and 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 the, uh, I mean, I I thought the show was great. I, I really enjoyed doing it. It's it's being remounted. I I hope to get the call again. I I, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, Did uh, you feel like you fit in that show? Because it sounds like, based on even what you're talking about about your own fiddling style, that, that you would be the right fit for that show. Did uh, you feel? Uh, yes, I, I felt I was perfect fit for it. Right. Yeah. Because um, it had to have, although not an overbearing element of it, it had to have the element of the Newfoundland sound, the, the fiddle and the accordion sound. Mm -hmm. um, so my daughter Tamsin was on that tour as well as the oh, accordion cool. player. Yeah. And that that's a whole other thing. Because yeah, you that both was, that play was, together as a duo. Yeah, yeah. so that's uh, you know it's great to to uh, to have that relationship. Uh, you know, I mean, she's nineteen. Uh, you know, the fact that she would even consider spending time playing music with her dad is quite remarkable. Well, you talked about the the uh, <laughs> you know? the teacher parent or the teacher student relationship with your mom. Yeah. Now uh, this is not teacher, but how is that when it comes to dad daughter as a band? Well, dad had to. Uh, I couldn't be dad. Right. Uh, when we get back to the house, I could be dad. Yeah. But uh, in rehearsal, uh, on the road, doing shows, I was simply another band member. Of course. And in yeah. fact, we had a musical director. Paul Kinsman was musical director. Oh, cool, yeah. Uh, so uh, any suggestions I had musically uh, about her accordion playing, you know, you know, I, I really couldn't go there. Right. It had to be done in a... Uh, collaborative, okay, we're all at rehearsal. What about if the accordion did this and, you know, put it to the musical director and, you know. Uh, and I, I most definitely could not be dad right. in those situations. I, I had to be very careful to be a just a fellow musician. Right. And I managed to do it, I think, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we got along. She didn't get too pissed off with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was a great experience. We, we spent, uh, you know, two months touring... Uh, she got to see a lot of Canada. Cool. You know, we were 
Toronto, Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton, Hamilton, Ottawa. Right. You know, it was it was, uh, it was a great tour. I definitely want to talk about the fact that you've collected over 500 fiddle tunes. Yeah. Is that is that a correct number? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what drove that? We talked a little earlier about just your obsession with it when you were first starting to just learn all these songs. But why? Well, that, you know, if I have a prime achievement, if I have something that, you know, like point to one thing that you've done that you think is significant, uh, it would be that. Okay. Um and like like I said a few minutes ago, it's because I came along at just the right time. I was uh, a young, enthusiastic, uh, anxious to find some kind of repertoire to find myself musically. Um, and and here were these old guys. You know, Rufus was in his eighties when I met him. Right. You know, and Emil was in his seventies, and they had all this wonderful music. And you know, you know, Rufus uh, Rufus had. Uh, children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, none of them played fiddle or were remotely interested in learning to, to do so. And then I came along and, and, uh, and, and started learning all this stuff from these guys. Right. And not only learning it, but uh, realizing then that, well, if other people wanted to play it, they weren't going to have the luxury I had or the good fortune I had to be able to sit and learn from, from these men. Right. So I better write it down. So I started notating it all, right? And uh, so, well, got to make it available. So it came out in a in a two volume collection, right? One volume of just Rufus and Emil, and then another volume of all these other fiddle players that I hardly ever talk about, but but that I got music from. And uh, most of that music is unique music too. It's uh, uh, you know, fiddle tunes are played many different places, you know, like there's Irish music, Scottish music, Cape Breton. Uh, a lot of these tunes that I got from these fiddlers were tunes that were not played in in other places. These mm. unique, uh, unique little pieces of music. Right. I mean, that that is quite the legacy because those songs won't be forgotten. I mean, yeah. they're still being so, learned. So you get bands now coming along like the Dardanelles we were talking about who uh, who can go to the book and they have done right and say oh look at these these are nice tunes let's do these right and and learn them because there's the notation that you can you can read music you can play it mm. and uh, and put it out on their album so mm. you know it was great satisfaction to me to uh, to listen to a Dardanelles record and and know that 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 music is being played by these guys awesomely yeah uh, but without me having done what I did that wouldn't be there right and it's like wow cool. I was a. It is an interesting. I was a link in that chain. It's you know? an interesting counterpoint to like the age of disposable music. The idea that now this is the constant uh, uh, debate amongst contemporary musicians of like how much do we spend on our album because the album is a business card, which I hate as a quote, you know. <laughs> no, uh, okay. But just this idea <laughs> that that's all like, and that your album now, your lifespan of an album is weeks instead of a year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like all of this, and, and the idea that it's like no one's buying a physical copy is just being streamed so what that does to even like liner notes like there's so many mm-hmm. sub issues yeah. of like how do you know who played on it if it's just on Apple streaming and, and Apple doesn't yet include anything beyond I think like a production credit yeah. so like who's the accordion player on track 4 who knows yeah. you know yeah. so there's all these issues so it is interesting that there's like there's still a value in like a written book that can help to Yes. You know, it's a bit more permanent yeah. in a weird sort of way yeah. than 
a recorded yeah. record. And I'm a, you know, I, I'm an archivist at heart, although I'm not, not trained in any way, but I'm a, you know, I guess to put it more crassly, a hoarder of uh, of certain things, of, of um, things that are of... Uh, what I think to be cultural value. Like I have, you wouldn't believe the collection of photographs I have. Oh, really? I've kept everything. I have rare photographs all through the Figgy Duff years, early years, uh, wonderful grand band, uh, uh, photographs of Rufus and Emil, like just candid ones that I took. Uh, I have newspaper clippings from back in the 70s, throughout the 80s and 90s. Uh, I, I anything that an article, a review, right. anything that came out that I was involved in, or that someone that I was involved with was involved in, like Anita Best. Cool. Uh, if there was an article done, on it, I clip it out, keep it. Yep. Scrapbooks, full of that stuff. Right. Uh, recordings, every radio interview, TV show that came on, I taped it. You wouldn't believe the stuff cool. I have. Yeah. Um, and uh, sometime, <laughs> while I'm still able to do it, I want to, to and, and this is kind of a project I'm starting to focus on now, I want to get all that somewhere where it's accessible to people. Right. Um, is a, there, what's, website, the infra- guess, what's the so. infrastructure like for that? I thought about this recently. Like, I mean, obviously we have the rooms, they have the archives. Mun has some sort of archives. I mean, have you... Have you had much interaction with any of the sort of archival? I'm, I'm about to. Okay. But but uh, like archiving to me is is only a part of it, and I, I've already done that. Right. I, I've got I've archived the stuff. Right. Right. I've, I've made. I, I'm at home now making uh, digital copies of. Uh, I have a USB cassette deck. Right. And I'm making digital copies of the cassette tapes that I recorded. Some of them are 40 years old. Right. It's amazing that they've even lasted this long you're talking about accessibility to the public archiving yes, is putting it in exactly, the box exactly yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's always been my thing uh you know uh, folk music to to oh it must be kept the way it is and you know to me that's that, that's putting it in a box yeah and it's putting it there on the shelf and saying okay there it is right right yeah it, it, it can't grow it, it should be alive develop, right, it should yeah, be alive it's, it's a living thing yeah 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 and uh and it's kind of why like recording like i i haven't recorded a uh, a record or cd or anything like that in years it's right. like to me it's it's more now about the the live thing the fact that there it is you're doing it right? yeah um yeah. uh, but uh yeah where were we going with that <laughs> I got, I got off on a tangent there. no no we were talking about uh we were talking well we were talking about the books that you had done like the, so the yeah. collections of songs and then you sort of archiving some of the yes, stuff yourself. Yes, so 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 archiving it like yeah, it's it, it, I want it to be publicly accessible, and I want it to be uh, used by people, to be educational, to be right, and even in you know so that it entertains people. So be able form? to go through and look at these old photographs. Oh my, look so and so, you know. Yeah, uh, like rather than it just being oh I got to go into the museum and and uh, you know they've requested and they've got to dig it out of some locker or drawer. Or, Who's doing that? You, you know, yeah. it's like no, 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 no. I want I want it so you can a couple of clicks and boom, there you are. You got a photo gallery. Okay, uh, it's categorized. Okay, I want to see. Uh, you know the early wonderful grand band photos uh, that, that that Kelly took on his last tour with the grand band. Right. Okay. okay well, there's about a hundred of those. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, candid shots and st- st- live on stage. You know, there's there's Ron and Sandy and cool. and Boomer and, yeah. and Glenn Simmons. Uh, you know, thirty years ago. Yep. All right. Yep. Very. Got cool. all that stuff. 
Very cool. So you're thinking like a website yeah. or something sort yeah. of, yeah, okay. Website and some, something that's uh, accessible. My problem, of course, is that, uh, you know, I, I need money to do that. So right. I've got to try to source out a, years ago, and I'm talking a long time ago, uh, it seemed like artists had mentors. Right. You know? It's, it's like you think back on this, you know, this this Irish harp player, this blind Irish harp player, Turlo O'Carrollan. You know, he he traveled around and and he would compose pieces of music for such and such a lord or so. You know, and and they would pay him, they would compensate him uh, richly for, you know, like yeah. whatever happened to those days? Yeah, <laughs> like a patron. <laughs> the patron, the patron, yeah, the patron of the arts. It, yeah. it's now you know, oh oh, you you need funding, well. You got to go and apply to the arts council, right? Have and you heard of Patreon? No. Okay. So uh, I mean, we can talk about this after as well. But Patreon is uh, is is a website created uh, based on that. So oh. you would you would create the Kelly Russell Patreon page, and you would say that the, your purpose of it, which could be archivally, if you're someone like me, it could be based on songwriting, say. And so the idea would be that you would pledge. Okay, so I'm going to release one song a month, two songs a month, or whatever it is. And you just create a structure where you're like, like if I did that, for instance, it would be, uh, I'm going to put out uh, two new songs a month to my patrons. Yeah. And you're going to pledge, well, I think Ian's song is worth $5 a song hmm. for me to hear one of Ian's songs that he's going to write. And it's not going to be specifically for you, but you're like, I believe in him enough that I think I should give him five bucks for the yeah. effort he's going to take to write it. And so then you get five bucks times the number of patrons you have yes, yeah. and and you just promise and it dings their credit card automatically yeah. so you promise like i'm not going to do more i'm not going to put out 40 songs and have you spend way more than you expected to yes, spend yes, but you yeah, know yeah, you will yeah. have a pledged amount yeah. to this artist yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the interesting idea. I, I like that idea it's a cool yeah. it's a cool model yeah. like it, it's still in experimentation phase yeah. but i know artists who are doing it yeah. you know so but but like i published my fiddleton collection so that it's out there. It's yep. a book you can go on. You can buy it. Well, I like that to be digital, yep. uh, so that you can use the MIDI files as well, because each of these tunes has an associated That's MIDI file. Fantastic, and you can you know you can hear the the melody as well as see it. Yep. Um, uh, but uh, on top of that, I have the uh, original recordings that I made of those fiddlers cool. playing those tunes. Yeah. Uh, no one's ever heard any of that stuff. That's right. that's the stuff I'm digitizing right now. Uh, um, the recordings that I made. And so, you know, you can listen to uh, not just Rufus and Emil because they've been recorded, uh, you know, and there are available recordings. But uh, little Joe Palliser, like he's a he's this Inuit guy in in, uh, in Rigolet right. that I recorded. He, he was deaf. He, he, I had to tune his fiddle for him. He started playing for me and the damn fiddle was out of tune. <laughs> and he didn't know it. Oh, <laughs> my God. Because he was really hard of hearing. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you play in a way and I'm like, can I see your fiddle for a second? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I have recordings of this guy playing. Right. Unique little tunes that I never heard anywhere else. Like he played tunes for me that I never collected or heard played by anyone else. Right. And uh, some other musicians have recorded those tunes. Um um, but, uh, like, I'd like for people to hear yeah. little Joe Palliser play. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. it's, it's cool. That is cool. Yeah. That is cool. And it's, you know, he's long gone, right? It's, right. I made that recording in 1980. Right. <laughs> right. Right. That's 40 years ago. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, you do have some accolades that we didn't talk about. 
and I don't want to get them wrong, but you have the Order of Canada, the Queen's Jubilee. Yes. Tell me about those. Uh, guilty as charged. The Order of Canada completely floored me. Um, you know, to, to me, I, I, you know, I, I see, you know, like pe- people who are, you know, like Canadian astronauts and pioneers of, right. of this and that are the people who get the Order of Canada, you know, <laughs> not, not some fiddler in Newfoundland, right? Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I guess I, I attribute it to the work I was just referring to, which I consider, I guess, to be my important contribution, uh, was, was the learning of this music and the notating of it and the recording of it and the passing on of it. Uh, the fact that I came by at such a unique time uh, to be able to connect that old time Newfoundland, you know, those, those old guys. Because, because that Newfoundland doesn't exist anymore. Right. You know, the Newfoundland that my father grew up in and that Rufus and Emil, and, you know, that's gone. Right. Um, and, and I was able to just capture, uh, you know, a, a little bit of that and, and keep it. But not only keep it on a shelf, but to push it into the, into the future. And, and uh, you know, where you, where you have younger people now who, who can access this stuff and who are accessing it and, and playing it. Yep. And uh, so, you know, I, 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 I think that's, you know, that's probably why I got that recognition. Right. Yeah. That's pretty tremendous, though. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. I, 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 I pinned it on. I'd never take it out and wear it, uh, but uh, on, uh, on special uh, occasions that are of significance to Canada, you're supposed to wear it. Right. At ceremonies and stuff like that. Like right. You're, you're expected to wear it. Right. Uh, so I was going out the door today, and my wife, Tanya, said, we're going down to the, to the uh, November 11th war memorial uh, to, the, to the ceremony. And she said, uh, you're supposed to wear your medal, you know. <laughs> so I ran upstairs and I got it and I pinned it on. And, and one guy down there recognized it. He said, Order of Canada, hey? Yeah. What'd you get that for? Right. And I said, I'm really not sure, sir. <laughs> it's something to do with with preserving right. Newfoundland culture. <laughs> and then and then he said, you still playing the fiddle? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you're like, God damn it, I got this medal. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll end with this this question. It's a very simple one, of course. Why? Why keep doing it? Why? What drives you now, today, still, after all these years? I still have passion for it. Um, you know that that excitement, that um, desperation to to be be with it, uh, not not go out with the boys, but stay home and 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 work on it. That that that. Uh, determination I had for it back then I, I, st- I still have that mm. um, uh, there's this times when I, I play these tunes and I just like man this stuff is such a treasure mm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like why me yeah. how, how, did, how did I end up with this right uh, and and often I think of it as a as like a torch that was you know that was passed like somebody handed me this damn torch right I said here right you you got to carry this, no? Right. I didn't ask for it. Yeah. Um, I just I've just found myself in you know through pursuing my passion for 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 the music. Someone just said, "Well, well, here, you know, mm. you like this stuff so much. Here, here's the torch. Right. You carry it. Right. And the torch has been a, you know, 
it's been both a uh, you know I've carried it with pride and I've also felt felt the weight of it you know the burden right. of it right right uh, it's like Jesus do I have to carry this damn torch like I still got to do this yeah you know yeah um, so you know you get mixed feelings about it but uh, I, I I do it still um, uh, because I need to make a dollar mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's, you know, I, I committed to this a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. I can't make a dollar at anything else now. Right. Um, so um, I still need to make a living. Uh, so I guess it's one of the prime, to be quite honest, one of the prime totally. reasons. Absolutely. You know, it's like, man, you know, I got, I got bills to pay. That's right. And I hate that stereotype of of you just do it, you know, luckily you're doing something you're passionate about. I yeah. think that that... that once you get out of the honeymoon phase, which obviously will vary for different artists, maybe it's maybe it's the first couple of years, maybe it's the first 10, 15, 20 years. Once you've passed that and this is just is your career, yeah. you know, inevitably it's like that that's a burden in itself. The, yes. the, the public but you, but you, belief that it's just that. But you, st- you still have to uh, find again, rediscover that that passion. That, exactly. You know, that thing that, that, that hooked you on it to begin with. Like, if you don't still have that, if you're just doing this just because of the book, it's the only thing that you can do to make a dollar. Yeah. Well, damn, you know. No, <laughs> like, I know. Yeah. That's the worst of all. <laughs> oh, I feel shit. like there's that levels, mm-hmm. right? You get out of the honeymoon phase, then it might be that. And if you don't find it again, yeah. I mean, first of all, that's just a, if we're just talking economics, I mean, go back to school. Why would anyone do this business for the dollar? Yeah, yeah. Because it's yeah. not, it wouldn't be a smart choice. You could no. do a lot of other things for no, the same well, like amount my, of like, like, like my dad said, you know, it's a wonderful hobby. Right. So you'll never make a living at it. Right. And of course, I set out to prove them wrong. Then, yeah. You know? I was like, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Watch me. Yeah. But what a joy if you can make the journey pay pay off. Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. that's that's yeah. the and and for me, you know, it's it's paid off. I mean, I'm I'm at a point now where I'm looking back and I'm I'm you know I'm impressed. Right. With myself. Yeah. Like, Holy shit, man! You yeah. did all that. Yeah. Wow. Good on you. Yeah. Well, at a certain point, you must be like. Think of the experiences and the people you've met. I mean, it just wouldn't have happened if yeah. you hadn't done this. Yeah. It would have been something completely different. Yeah. And the times when I feel like, oh, you know, like I should have expanded. I, sh- I should be able to play in a blues band, you know, having played the instrument for 40 years. I should be able to do that. Uh, you know, I I console myself with uh, with realizing, well, you know, if, if I'd had gone that direction, well, then maybe I wouldn't have done all this other stuff that I did end up doing. So... You know, and and you know, you can look back over stuff, and you know, you should have, could have, would have. Well, you know, what's totally. the point, right? Totally. Yeah. There's no one who doesn't do that. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's really nice. Well, I think we've reached the end here, Kelly. Okay. Cool. Thanks so much, man. Uh, Hope this was okay for you. <laughs> oh, this 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 was awesome. I enjoy. Uh, you know, I guess as anyone does, when you get to the to the to the later stages of your career and your life, you know, you. You know, you're slowing down a little bit, uh, well, enough to to be able to take the time to look back a little bit and kind of uh, look back with a little bit of awe and admiration, you know, Mm -hmm. at the the struggles and the things that you overcame and the things that you took on to do that, uh, you know, were worthwhile. Totally. Yeah. Uh, So I enjoy talking about it. I thank you for the opportunity. Hey, wasn't that a great conversation? Kelly is such an interesting fella. I hope you'll tune in next week when my guest will be Mary Walsh live at The Rooms, a two-part season finale for If and When. Please like and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you then. Okay, bye.